So the question is always the same. How do I get into real estate investing if I have no money? How do I find deals? How do I negotiate deals? How do I find contractors and manage rehabs? How do I get the money to even buy these houses, to hold these houses? How does a rental work? How do you manage a rental? How do you manage tenants? How do you borrow money? How do you borrow money with almost no interest? How are all these things done and how are they done the right way? Well, I am John Barbera and this is an investor's journey where we share with you how to invest in real estate the right way and how to get into it with no money, how to do this with real tactics that are working today in the market that we're in right now with things that we are personally doing. So welcome to the show. Robert Kiyosaki always talks about, you know, the the uh, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He talks about the rich don't work for money. And with this whole concept of the rich don't work for money, a lot of people always shrug it off as like, yeah, it's easy for you to say because you're rich and all that. And it talks about the money habits. It talks about the way that you look at a business, the way you look at investing. And this is, I think, an issue that a lot of investors, a lot of people are missing because they're being so transactional that they're not focused on building something that's going to actually sustain and actually building a business. You know, and it's always been said with this uh, analogy that it's, uh, it's like planting a seed and then going the next day trying to eat it. You know what I mean? It's like you plant a seed, you got to nurture it, you got to take care of it, you got to let it grow. But the problem is like people jump into a business, jump into real estate because they're like, oh, I'm going to make money. I'm going to crush it my first year. Look, look at this guy. He made, you know, 100, 200 grand well, I mean, it's in not their first year. It's not just real estate, too. I mean, it is like stock market. It's anything where it's like... Yeah. You just like if you just put some money in the stock market and you let it ride for a long period of time, just like real estate, you're gonna be far better off than if you just like I'm trying to make these base hits to get super rich really quick. Yeah. Like it, well, that doesn't work that way. Patience is is a true virtue when it comes to making money and building wealth. And the and the thing that you and I have talked about oh, so many times is that if you don't have the patience, and this is gonna go into pretty much like three big ideas that we wanna share with you on this. And with the first one being is why you shouldn't quit your job to go into becoming a real estate investor, right? This we hear all the time, especially the bigger pocket crowd and everybody. Every time somebody says, even on Facebook, I'm going to quit my job and go full time. Everybody's like, oh my God, yay. And I look at him, I'm like, oh my God, you're an idiot. Like, like beyond an idiot. You haven't even done anything yet, yeah. yet you're sacrificing pretty much like that one thing that you have that is consistent for something that you don't even know if you're going to succeed at. And getting your real estate license does not constitute, well, I got my real estate license. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like it's having a client base. It's the knowledge around what yeah. it, like by getting a real estate license does not act. You don't know how to do real estate. It's like, it means you can pass a test. You yeah. can memorize the information. You can go pass a test. That's all that means. When it comes to getting your license, like that's 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 the first step. You're in the right direction, but just because you got your real estate license doesn't mean you should go quit your job because you're not going to start making commissions. Like nope. you're not going to start making fifty grand, seventy grand, a hundred grand your first year just because you got your license. Nobody shows up with a list of clients and says like, "I'm ready to list my house." Like very competitive market where like you need to build that business and that reputation and those habits, and you need to understand the knowledge around that. And like getting your license doesn't teach you that. Stuff. Well, and how high is the turnover in real estate, right? I mean, we've seen it since we've been in this. How many people start 
they're all gung-ho, right? We're going to crush it. We're going to kill it. Oh, I'm so motivated. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Look at this. Look at that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Until they actually start doing what they need to be doing because they're starting from ground zero. And guess what? From ground zero requires you to do all the shitty work that many people do not like to do. You know, all the cold calling, door knocking, getting cursed at, getting rejected, you know, all the headaches, all the crap that people don't want to deal with. And as soon as they start hitting that, all of a sudden, well, you know, I, I needed to take a break and I needed to do this and I needed to do that. And I, and I can't, and then it's like, all right, yeah, you're not going to last. You understand? Because this is not going to get easier. The more you grow in this business, the more stressful it's going to be. So if you can't embrace the stress and kind of like I like to say, if you can't embrace the suck, uh, I don't know where I heard it, but uh, I love the the phrase of it. it it's going to become, you're not going to last. No. And then you're saying, oh, let me quit my job. Something that's actually providing me the income to sustain my life, to eat, to yeah. survive, to go after something that after you start doing it, like, man, I, I see these people and I was like, man, you're really kind of screwed right now because you quit a great job. You quit whatever you had to come after something that now you hate doing. Yeah. So it's one of those things that's like, you got to be very smart. You got to think about it. You need to think about like, how are you going to survive? You know, I did a whole episode and I'm going to link it before. It's called Before You Quit Your Job for Real Estate Investing. And it covers like what you need to look at because you need, if you're going to do it, do you have reserves to last you, I don't know, a year? You know what I mean? Like that takes care of not just your living expenses, but your marketing, your real estate business, because it costs money to do. Well, and it's also, it's like you need to understand the financing of real estate mm -hmm. too. It's like you need a W-2 income to qualify for loans, like real, unless you're paying cash or stuff and then it only goes so far and or you plan on using commercial uh commercial loans and stuff like it which are not your 30-year fixed rate three yeah. percent interest loans like no they're like 20 per 20 year and you have five-year arms and four and a half to five and a half percent interest rates so yeah. it's like you've got a whole different level of competition and uh financing style that your general public does not understand yeah. Or doesn't know. So like that W2 income is a huge thing. I mean, that's definitely something I think we had did one about like probably in that one, uh, um, before you quit your job to where it's like, there's a lot of things you should do that I wish I would have known before I quit my job in 2015 to move into real estate full time. Looking back, I'm like, damn, would have just done these things before yeah. I quit. Uh, that would have been beneficial five years down the road. But at the time I didn't know. Yeah. And, and even for myself, I mean, I grew up in real estate. I grew up in construction. I grew up doing this. I, it wasn't a huge shock doing shitty work for me. Like I grew up doing shitty work. You know what I mean? I was, I was an immigrant most of my life. So yeah, we did all the shitty work. So doing, and it never scared me to do the cold calling, to do all that, all the stress, everything. It never scared me. It never worried me, but there's people that just can't. And and also having your job, like you said, you know, uh, besides the W-2 income, that's how you pick up rental properties. I mean, we have friends of ours that are real estate investors that are killing it, even though they have full-time jobs. You know what I mean? They're killing it because their job supplies them with the stable income and credit to pick up as many houses as they want to pick up. The little, I mean, not a little bit of knowledge. Uh, like the Knowledge, like once you understand that basic concept... 
and you get your own finances right, like you can exponentially increase a portfolio, increase your wealth in a very short period of time. Once you just gain that knowledge, like there's still a lot of hard work that has to go into it. But once you understand the basics of it, like you can start buying properties, then yeah. it becomes the management style. Then it becomes the type of housing you buy. Then all the other stuff comes through, yep. but you can get into the level. Everyone's like, I just want to buy that first property. I just want to buy that first property. You can get there very quickly. Like you understand the basics. You have a good job. You have some savings and you can find a decent deal with the numbers make right that you can learn with. Yeah. But, well, and then also like the other point that we've covered before is people are going to quit their job, right? And they're going to get into real estate, but don't worry. My expenses are taken care of because I'm going to do the bigger pockets model and house hack, Right. And we've talked about this so hacking. many times because it's just one of those things that's like, you know, bigger pockets needs to stop like pushing this so damn hard. And and they need to focus on like there's a lot more to this, right? Like house hacking in San Antonio is virtually impossible. You know, you you cannot find multifamily homes that right now you can't even find multifamily homes in a decent area of town that cash flows. Because the investors that own the multifamily homes they're not letting them go at a reasonable price. They're letting them go at a price that's like market value and you still got to put repairs over that. Yeah. And then when you even finance that, your mortgage is way more than whatever your rent is going to produce. And we went into great detail on house hacking and everything on how you got to protect yourself. But you you look at these things and it's like, um, there, there's so many unknowns. And, and the biggest one is your lack of knowledge and experience. Right. It takes a lot of experience. It takes that's one thing that I always tell people, even when they come to us that they want to learn real estate and everything. It's like, look, you can buy the most expensive course in the world. You can buy all the books you want on real estate. You can listen to all the podcasts. The one thing that you can never pay for is experience. Yeah. Experience, you need to actually experience yourself. You need to go through it. You know, a way to do this is yes, you can partner with people to learn from their experience and kind of absorb some of their experience. But overall, like you need to put that time in because we always see it time and time again. They get into it and because they have no experience, they don't know what the hell is going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, I can't find any deals. Man, I can't find a project or I just lost 40 grand on this last deal. It's like, well, yes, you don't know what you're doing. But I quit my job. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, you understand. Like, there, I think there's a, a more cautious way of going about it um, to make sure that you're not being so ballsy to just let me quit my job. I have no savings. I have nothing, but I'm gonna do it in this industry that I know absolutely nothing about. Yeah. It's like not the right well, way I mean, to approach like, it. Real estate industry has. I mean, I, I would I'd love to hear like compared to other industries, like the amount of fluff that is sold. In this industry, and why that is, uh, it, there's a lot of what, what do they sell? They, they sell the steak, not the, or they sell the sizzle, not the steak, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Where like I think there's a lot of that stuff that goes on in real estate towards like the house hacking. Like why does bigger pocket push it? Because it sells. Because it's actually like I move into duplex. I mean, it does. Like just listen to the pitch. Of course, <laughs> like, it's like you move into one unit, you rent the other units out, and it pays for you, and you live for free. Like, oh yeah, who doesn't want to do that? The problem is, is like. Everybody knows that. So those prices reflect that. And that is what 
buys those things in because it's also like when it comes to like institutional investors or investors like investors go after multifamily so those prices get bid up very quickly and especially in the market right now yeah to yeah. where it's like individual homeowners you're in consumer usually doesn't want to go live in a duplex they don't want to live in a quadplex i mean you just look at the uh application uh permits for small one to family unit complexes like yeah. they're basically non-existent. Like it's a perfect example. Like if you look at the last market uh, analysis I did for the four metros, you look at the number of unit permits for uh, one to f- or two to four unit builds. I mean, there's there's no basically no. non-existent compared to single family homes and large commercial properties as far as multifamily units. So what housing stock of your two to four units are available is extremely expensive because nobody's building it and your in consumer doesn't want to buy it. Yeah. So it's usually an investor that's buying it. So this prices get bid up very, very quickly. Yeah. And, and with that, with house hacking, those investors are picking them up. that are putting in that money. They're not house hacking. They need both areas to rent just to cover some of the mortgage, not all of it, because they're probably putting a large amount of money down, but they understand they eventually, you know, appreciation is going to catch up. Everything's going to catch up because of where it's positioned and all that. But if you don't have that kind of revenue and you're trying to house hack something like that, like, yeah, you're going to be in a huge, huge world of hurt when that comes through. So the next big idea is like, who are the people that, who are the ones that work for money, right? These are the people that are working for the money and it's your wholesalers, your flippers, your buy and hold investors, your note buyers, your lenders. These are the people that are all working for money. And a lot of people right now are probably thinking, wait, hold on. Hey, podcast, thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. And if you want to get very exclusive insider tips and strategies that nobody else is getting, then you need to join our text community by texting podcast to 210-794-9898. That's 210-794-9898. Text the word podcast and you will start receiving insider information, things that are happening that we're realizing that we're implementing in real time that other people have no access to. So make sure you text us now. Now back to this show. I was a buy and hold investor working for money. Like that's the whole point. It's passive income. Not if you're not doing it right. If you're not buying a rental correctly, you're not doing the analysis correctly, you can buy a house that's like, yeah, it cash flows, but you never factored in the amount of repairs that house actually needs to be worth what even you paid for it. So it's like it cash flows right now, but when you need to go ahead and turn around and sell it and you need to actually do the repairs, you're underwater. Well, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's a perfect point to where like buying hold done wrong can be even worse than flipping. So where like there's people that I, I've I've met or heard about or how easily it can't towards like they have a good job, they have good savings, they discover real estate and they jump both feet in and buy house, 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 like very quickly, buying from these big wholesale companies, turn around and renting them, not understanding what a house is and how they act and how they perform and what property management is. They think it's like, oh, I just buy this house, put a tenant in it. I don't have to do anything anymore. And I hire a property manager, we're done. It's like, no. How's the foundation? How's the electrical? How's the roof? How's the air conditioner? To where like, if all those major components are crappy, you're going to get a crappy tenant that wants to live there because 
people themselves don't want to deal with that. Like I had a conversation with one of our tenants uh, recently and he, they want to renew again and their lease isn't up for another like eight months. He's like, I'm gonna tell you right now we're renewing again. He's like, nice. he's like, because like I enjoy renting from you. You get it. You mm -hmm. understand it. It's like, I don't want to run the risk of moving to a house that I don't know and a landlord I don't know. Yep. Because I know there's a lot of people that like a landlord to say like, okay, you buy a house, you leverage it up and you're a spreadsheet person. You're tracking your return. All of a sudden the AC goes out and your AC guy that goes out there's like, man, this unit's 20 years old. Um, you really need a new unit. It's going to be six, seven grand to replace that. And you're like, ah, I don't want to spend that though. Can we, can we bandaid it? Can yep. we, can we, can we do something? It's like, well, I can put a new compressor in it. I mean, that'll run you like $900. And then it, it breaks every other month, every other week. It keeps breaking because all they're doing is putting band-aids on all these issues. Yeah. And then like the same thing with the roof, same thing with the foundation, or it's like, oh, the foundation, I'm having plumbing issues. Like, yep. well, yeah, your toilet keeps backing up. Like, yeah, you're going to have problems. And I mean, yeah. this is a firsthand experience. We, 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 fell into this to where like luckily yeah. the tenant was cool to where we redid an entire house in the foundation lifted everything we knew there was gonna be problems we fixed all the plumbing underneath everything in the house of the new stuff held we yeah. just didn't check from the exit of the house to the street we're like oh i mean shouldn't have to worry about that thing but the plumbing kept backing up kept backing up we're like what is going on Finally, we got somebody out there, ran a camera down it, and we realized the whole front line had a huge drop in it to where it was like three inches of water sitting in the line and on a four-inch pipe, so only one inch for air to flow through to where there was a family of four living in the house and using it, it would continually get clogged up because it wasn't flowing out to the street. Yeah. So it was backing up to where we had to spend. Luckily, we owned a house on either side of it. We did all three of them at once to bring the cost down. But that could be four, five, six thousand dollars in your house not being usable for three, four, five days where they're redoing on that. So you got to put your tenant up to where like you got to understand housing yeah. performs. Or if you buy a bunch of really cheap what seems like great deals, cheap housing from these big wholesale outfits and things like that, it's like they're not good well, deals. They're not cheap deals because they're going to get very expensive, very long and over the time. And then you realize like you're not bringing in the cash flow to where you're having to dump more of your active income yeah. back into these properties. And it's like, and mortgages don't go down over time. That's how you can work for money being a buy to hold investor. A hundred percent. Cause you got to keep that money coming in and take care of these terrible investments that you just made. And then it's the same wholesalers and flippers to me, they're kind of in the same realm because it's, we see this time and time again with wholesalers and flippers all the time is that, you know, they get one, make some money. Okay. Go get another one. Uh, they get that makes Okay. Go get another one. Okay. Go get another one. Oh, we got to go get another one. So you, you look at all this and it's like, yeah, you have to constantly be getting more and more deals and you're always looking for that. You're kind of like a junkie at that point. Yeah. You're always looking for that next hit. Right. Yeah. And that all you're doing, if you think about it, like you are literally busting your ass time and time and time again to find that next hit. Right. And it's the same thing for lenders and note buyers. It's the same thing. They they just they're always looking for that next hit, that next hit. So the third big idea here is who is actually building wealth? So as a real estate investor, right, we have, you know, we have your wholesalers, your flippers, your buy and hold. So if all of them are working for money, then who is building wealth? And to us, it's very simple. Those are actually focused on building systems around what they're doing.
So if you want to flip houses or if you want to wholesale or if you want to buy and hold, you want to lend, you got to put systems in place. Something that makes sure that you're checking and you're making sure that you're not buying bad investments, that you have the right people lined up, that you can do this time and time again to a point where it's like you don't even have to work all that hard for this to start producing on its own, right? Where they say, you know, the rich don't work for money. It's because you are putting the systems in place that are helping you generate the deals, helping you generate everything that you need to generate. So therefore it's like, okay, yeah, now my system is working for me. Now my system is generating me revenue and generating me um, what I need from this business and all of this. Um, so it's just, you got to focus on building systems. You got to focus on building a repeatable process, right? If you can't repeat this process, you're just working for money. If you can't repeat this strategy, you're working for money, right? Because you're doing it once chances you're going to be able to do it again are going to be very small. It's going to be very different. If you can't repeat it, you're just working for money. And the problem is like, like we see a lot of times, right? The market changes, things change. Things become more expensive. There are shifts like we've seen this past year. And because you were doing something that wasn't repeatable, now all of a sudden your whole business model went up in flames. And it's like, so what are you doing now? I, I, I don't know. I guess I'll wholesale some houses. What do you know about wholesaling? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> you know? So, and we've seen this with so many investors, buy and hold investors, fix and flip, lenders. They didn't have repeatable process on how who how they found their properties, how they managed them, how they vetted them, how they you know how they even found the investors they wanted to invest with. So if you're not having a repeatable process, it's you're just not going anywhere. It's you're always going to be in the same spot over and over and over. And also, you got to focus on building teams, right? If you don't put a team around you, if you can't build a team around you to help you with all these areas. I mean, we're talking about it now, how we're, you know, we're hiring people, we're bringing people on. And even for our properties, yeah, we do self-managing because it just, we've seen what it is to hire a property manager and it doesn't make sense a lot of times. So we prefer to self-manage, but we are going to have to bring in somebody to help manage these properties. So what are we doing? We're building the systems, we're building the process. So that way we can just hire somebody, plug them in, and say, here's our process. When somebody calls with a complaint, here's the process. Well, not here's just, the here's system. The, not just here's the process, like here's the people. Yeah. Like even more importantly than the process is the people to do the work in a way that you trust and can do it efficiently and effectively. Because like mm -hmm. tenants hate nothing. I mean, just my personal experience or just think about it for anybody. Like your AC goes out in July and it takes your landlord two weeks to replace the air conditioner. How pissed are you going to be by day two? Yeah. And like, how good are you going to take care of that property moving forward? If the landlord doesn't give a damn about the property or you, yep. so it's like, I, we have our teams, we have our people. Like when something goes wrong, it's like, I can get somebody out there ASAP and do it in an effective way. Because if you don't have those teams, you can always get somebody out there in 24 hours. It's like, it is how much you're going to pay to get that person out there in 24 hours. Now, if I got a consistent team of people that I got my plumbers, electricians, ACs, like your major components that if something breaks, I got to get out to somebody out there right away. Otherwise, it's going to cause major damage to not only the house, but our relationship with that tenant. Mm -hmm. To where if I got something backing up in the sewer or something like that, like I, if I don't get somebody out there in 24 hours, it, it's really going to like, people don't like the smell of 
shit in their house. And I can get somebody out there for emergencies, but they're $200 just to show up, let alone the, oh, they're going to run a snake down the line. That's another $300. So $500 a pair. My guy does it for a hundred. I can get somebody there in 24 hours. Yeah. So like over time, I need those people. Cause otherwise if you have to, if you do everything on the fly emergencies every single time with new people and build no rapport with like people that can actually do the work, like it'll eat any kind of cash flow return right out of your pocket so fast. Yep. It's like, it's has to have, you have to have a, well, a reliable team. And uh, us, why we've gotten burned so many times with contractors is because time and time again, with every project that we do, we're always trying to build our team because we're thinking long-term. We're not thinking this project. If we keep thinking on every single house, oh, I just need this project done. I just need this project done. The problem you have is that then that's all you're going to ever have work for. You're not going to be able to build relationship with contractors that you can depend on, yeah. with people that you can always count on whenever you need something. Like you, You're not building that because you're always burning and churning contractors, burning and churning investors, everybody. And it's like, how can you grow that? How can you scale that? How can you even implement this business model or system in any other city if you are so involved in every single step, yeah. right? We've heard an investor, friend of ours, that the way they manage a rehab is they literally plop a chair in front of their project and work from that chair because they yeah. need to manage. I'm like, then that's fine. It works for them because of the that's, business that's model they have. Yeah. And that, that, that works for them. They don't, they're not looking for scale or anything like that. But that's you're always working for money at that point. You understand because you're not you don't you got to be at every single one of your rehabs. You know how many rehabs can you manage at that point, right? Yeah. How many deals can you do if if you have opportunities in other cities, other states? You can't do that everywhere you go. And it's it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah, a lot of trial and error to find these people, these core people that are there. Because I mean, and that's why we say real estate and everything can be so dangerous. Just jumping both feet in because like it takes time resources, money, uh, and failure after failure to find these people to find, to learn these lessons to where it's like, you're buying one house. Don't go out and buy five right off the bat and just five deep and then just keep going like ready to go. It's like, yeah. it takes a minute to learn these things. Or if you're going to work with a contractor, don't jump in on five projects all at once with the same contractor. Yeah. Because then it's like, you don't know what kind of work they do, right? And now you're dependent on them for the next three, four projects. And if they suck and you're tied to them and you bought them. Like, just, and, thing, like, and you better know how to replace contractors yeah. quickly and efficiently and effectively. It's like that is the portion of like the quote unquote building teams aspect of it. It's not only just for your business, like your contract team, your field team is probably the most important piece of making sure your investment holds. You can have all the back end office work you want, but if you don't have people to do the work to actually make the asset perform and people you can trust, like it'll it'll sink you real quick. Cause a lot yeah. of times we're using big dollars, we're using big leverage to do these things to where like leverage is great, but it's also extremely dangerous because it can go on go backwards and unwind extremely fast. Yeah. Well, but, and especially in this market, I mean, right now there there's so much easy money out there that if you're if you don't understand how to work with that money and everything, you get accustomed to easy money and then you don't realize like when the market changes with strategies change and you got used to that easy money and now you can't find that anymore because usually when the market's changing stuff that easy money is gone yeah because they're the ones that are scared they're the ones that because they're not investing with any intelligence well i mean that's what caused, that, that's what causes crashes exactly is when that liquidity disappears and nobody wants to lend their money because i think prices are going to continue to fall yeah. like that's what makes things fall even faster well, and then the last point here is focus on strategic partnerships. 
right? And that's something that you and I are big, big proponents about. We've do we've always done partnerships pretty much on every area of our business. And we were actually this past week we were doing our quarterly, you know, rundown of our business, our strategy session, kind of seeing where our business is, where it's going, and everything. We were talking with a good friend of ours, Logan. We went to his office space, amazing house. Uh, he cool. bought this massive little mansion in uh, in Government Hill of San Antonio and gorgeous property. I mean, really cool spot. And he, we were just talking about like hiring and all this. And we were telling him about how we found a rock star of a acquisitions guy here in San Antonio. And we offered him a partnership. Like, let's open up a company. We'll split it evenly. And let's run this company to acquire, flip, do everything. Like, you know, you're killing it in acquisitions. Acquisitions is a full-time thing. And his biggest holdup is like, well, yeah, but, you know, the percentage split. Like, yeah, it's all even. Yeah, but, you know, on a $10,000 deal, that means... And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about on a $10,000 deal? Like, you're, you're not thinking strategically you're thinking transactionally my next deal my next deal and it's like the whole point of partnering with somebody and doing a strategic partnership is for volume or scale not for what are we going to do on this one deal right it's that no instead of you now doing let's say one flip now you can manage maybe six seven eight flips at the same time you know what i mean instead of doing like one project you could do multiple projects at once and he was sharing with us how he did a partnership like that recently and it's paying out massively for them because now they were able to combine their knowledge their resources their capabilities and they're crushing it they're doing so much more than they were doing before and it's like yes that is the point of a strategic partnership yeah you know but if when you think so small like flippers and and uh wholesalers do and Everybody's like, no, no, I, I got to do it. I got to keep 100% of everything. It's like, you know, do you want 100% of a grape or 50% of a watermelon? You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can have 100%, but it's always going to be of a very small place until you build the teams, until you bring the people, you build the systems. Until you do all those things, you're always going to be working for money. Yep. You know, so that that's kind of our, our little rant on why the rich don't work for money and how it is that you can kind of get you can get there yourself is by thinking this way if you're going to be building a business if you're going to be getting into real estate you got to think about how is it that i can do this and everything that i'm doing how can i go building a system around this how can i scale this how can i branch this off somewhere else um by doing that it's just going to be you're you're actually going to build something that's going to be sustainable and not something that as soon as the market shifts you're out of business